it's weird how having money on a game, like I've been Gus Malzahn's biggest defender for years. And that one money line loss against Georgia, I'm like, yeah, I understand why Auburn fans want him out. Frankly, it's the right choice now. Um, I'm all for it. All in, Auburn fans. I'm with you. Last night, I didn't put any money on that Bucks bears game until the very end when the Bears went down scoring. I was like, oh, money on the Bucks. This is Tom Brady time. This is what he does. And the level of frustration that you have when – Something like that happens, we have money on it. It's just so different. And I feel like I lose some of like the smart takes that I could have because I just see red. Exactly. It makes you feel worse. It makes you feel dumber. Yeah. You become like a fan. Mm-hmm. You become a fan of that team. It's like being an analyst who's like got an outside perspective and kind of able to see it from a like bird's eye view. That's lost once you like enter the gambling Yep. <laughs> that goes down the drain. Yep. It's amazing. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. If you are not living that college experience at other institutions due to COVID restrictions, then MSU Denver Online is an amazing opportunity you should be taking advantage of. Like I said, we have two of our very own at DMVR taking online courses right now, Ali Monroy and Harrison Wind. If you have any questions about MSU Denver Online, reach out to one of them and they'll tell you everything that you need to know. Um, And if you want more information without having to talk to people who you may never have talked to in your life. You can go to msudenver.com slash online to learn about the 40 plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree or the 700 plus online or hybrid courses um, that, I mean, with a number like that, there has to be something that interests you. So like I said, MSU Denver online uh, has the best, online education in the Rocky Mountain region. So go to msudenver.com slash online to get more information. All right. My mic was mute, muted that whole read, so I hope I wasn't making a ton of noise in the background, chewing like a savage. I think it was the hiccups more than anything that made it in. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> at least that's what I thought I was hearing. Uh, welcome into the uh, DNVR Draft Podcast. Wow, so many podcasts we have. Presented no by Draft Kings. That's easy to remember because Draft Podcast, mm-hmm. Draft Kings. Um, Draft Kings is an incredible company. If you haven't signed up yet, now is the time. There's so much going on. So many awesome sports, and we'll tell you more about some of the deals that they have going on later on in the show. All right. Um, I'm Henry Chisholm. Andre Simone was making noise during that MSU Denver online read, and (laughs) Jake Schwanitz was doing a good job not interrupting me. So we're going to start with you, Jake. How's it going? Doing well, man. Yeah. Who's the professional now, Andre? Yeah, truly. Oh, well. Nothing new uh, here as my as my professionalism declines rapidly. Um, I also I I uh, our great social media manager Michaela um, showed me during the NHL draft broadcast, which 
also I, I could go off on like, we could do 30 minutes on that and some of the takes I have from analyzing another sports drafts and all the things that come with, you know, prospect types and all that. But, you know, she taught me how to use a meme generator. So I got the Bernie <laughs> Sanders, um, I'm asking you for your help. Um, and this was to, I'm asking for your help so that I know how to pronounce a prospect's name. Because as you guys know, that is a major struggle. Um, and I thought of you both. So, yeah, um, I've been thinking about you both all week. I've been looking forward to this pod all week. That was a phenomenal week of college football, um, and it's only going to get better next week. We've got some truly phenomenal matchups, and I can't wait to talk picks because uh, DraftKings has some great offers on parlay boost and what have you. So uh, let's jump right in. I think Auburn-Georgia was the big game. Can I pause I, real quick? There are yes, two points please. I want to make. Yeah. Um, first of all, if we aren't getting five memes per week out of you on Twitter, then I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Wow. Second of all, for people who are listening to this podcast and aren't me and Jake, here's what happened. Drake came in, ate a snack while I was bringing us in and it was time to go. He decided that it was time to put the sunglasses on, which has become an awesome thing that I really enjoy. <laughs> Anytime that Dre is on a podcast, he wears those sunglasses and just it gets me hyped and ready to talk about football. Um, now I'll let you do that. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that. These yeah. are also like, if you saw these in person, you would realize how crooked they are and that they, there's a 70% chance they're women's glasses that were gifted to me. I was but wondering. on a Zoom, they look like real baller, you know, pimp, uh, smaller glasses. So on that note, um, who looked real baller and pimp was Georgia's, especially their defense, but Georgia in general looked really good. I probably need to apologize to their quarterback whose name I have no intention of learning how to pronounce um and like as i was telling you guys off air i'm for the first time in my life full on the fire gus malzahn train i'm uh, i'm over it as an auburn enthusiast now yeah i think instead of digging deeper into that i'll just leave in what you were saying before because you pretty much did sum it up before that show i i felt like i knew what georgia was and now all of a sudden I don't, which is always just kind of a disappointing feeling because it's so overwhelming to try to get a grasp on the hundred or whatever teams that are playing football this fall. I'm kind of back to the drawing board with Georgia. I'm not ready to totally buy in, but mm. that defense does look special. Um, Jake, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, the defense looked real nice. Um, they were getting penetration on Auburn all night on both sides of the line, frankly. I mean, they were pushing them over the ball on the offense, too. Yep. Uh, the secondary for Georgia, though, I think was outstanding. Uh, they pretty much locked down all the receivers. Uh, Schwartz got nothing going. Seth Williams had a couple uh, back Oof. shoulder, like kind of jump ball scenarios, and he mm -hmm. couldn't even really win them. Um, right. It was really just a lockdown performance from Georgia. Um I think, you know, we were all on Auburn last week talking about this game. I think we really just overlooked the amount of talent that's on this Georgia team. Just when you look at a recruiting standpoint, 100%. just that they're so much further ahead than Auburn with yeah. I don't know, five, four star guys that mm -hmm. we should have just figured that this game was probably going to be closer than we initially thought. Yeah, the recruiting hype proves to be real for Georgia. You know, they've been 
right up there as an upper echelon elite recruiting team the last several years right there with Alabama and Clemson. And, you know, it's one thing to do it on paper, on a recruiting ranking, on a recruiting site. It's another one to do it year after year with the talent they're generating. And credit to Kirby Smart. I thought this was kind of the biggest year of his tenure um, as a dogs coach. And, boy, he showed up in a major way because, yeah, that talent on defense, uh, they've replenished secondary I think my four weeks in, five weeks into the college football season, I think my biggest riser is Kyle Pitts. I think my second biggest riser is Tyson Campbell, the cornerback for uh, Georgia, who really was put in charge of locking down Seth Williams and did an amazing job. Far from perfect, overly physical, got a flag, conceded a contested grab that he probably could have avoided. Um, But I love the physicality, length, the speed, that whether it's running backwards and sticking with a guy like Seth Williams deep or it's coming downhill, he made a phenomenal tackle, um, kind of sifting through the trash on a bit of a pick play to the outside and making a crucial tackle on the red zone. Tyson Campbell was outstanding and I think has put himself firmly in the conversation for potentially the top defensive back or cornerback taken in the 2021 NFL draft. He was by far the biggest standout for me, but you know, their safety, um, who I've liked for many years, Richard, uh, help me out with this. LeCount, yeah. Yeah, not the the French pronunciation. (laughs) I like to give him Uh, LeConte or whatever I said last show. Um, He's solid, man. He's super solid. And he's exactly the kind of trustworthy, can do it all and impact the game on all sides type of safety that we want in the modern NFL a guy who stood out for me, it's still just potential projection, but their nose tackle, Jordan Davis, big number 99, whoo um, insane. And I was just thinking how, you know, defensive tackles is one of those positions where the NFL is really a copycat league. Um, I remember when Aaron Donald had so much success, Sheldon Rankin's undersized Louisville defensive tackle, top 15 pick. Um, and I wonder if with the success of guys like Vita Vea, someone like Jordan Davis, could really kind of rise up boards because of just um, the physical talent is so enticing. Um, so yeah, really impressive game from that Georgia defense loaded with NFL talent at all levels. Yeah. And they have another back. Zamir white was pretty impressive uh, for the Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. And really again, it's kind of the same old song and dance here with Georgia. Uh, Stetson Bennett is I mean, he's an okay quarterback. I don't think – he made a couple of plays, but I don't think he's anything special. This yeah. team is based around ground and pound, though. I mean, they had 45 yeah. carries. So, I mean, it's just kind of the same same year, same Georgia team. They're just reloaded in a sense. Yeah, Bennett is very Aaron Murray, Jake Fromm-esque. Um, yeah. He's not just in fields. He's not one of these uber towns, but he gets the job done, and he looked pretty smooth. We should also mention for Broncos fans, Monty Rice, firmly in that top two-round conversation. Um, He was all over the place, really intriguing inside linebacker. And I will toot my horn a little bit. Adam Anderson, who I've been talking up as one of my sleepers, who I liked, he had two sacks, was in the backfield constantly, number 19 for the Bulldogs. He's such a linear athlete and showed a just outstanding first-step quickness. And uh, Ojuri, their other edge rusher, was outstanding too. So I think we just listed off like six prospects on the defense alone, basically all at potential positions of need 
for the Denver Broncos. So those Georgia Bulldogs will be a fun team to put on CBS every single Saturday and uh, do some nice scouting on. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also those receivers, I know they don't get yeah. too much uh, attention in this offense because it is such yeah. a run heavy offense, but George Pickens, of course, is just so much fun to watch because of the style of play that he has. Only had two catches. But also Kyrus Jackson, another sophomore receiver, incredibly productive, uh, put up 160 – or no, 147 yards. Um, I don't know. Uh, definitely a fun team to watch, although mm -hmm. receivers aren't much of a need for uh, the Broncos, obviously. Anything on the Auburn side? <sighs> Um, I think a lot. Can I just say real quick on Karis Jackson? Yeah. He has 20 catches in his career. This was a real breakout game for him. He went, uh, what was it, nine for uh, 147. Didn't score, yeah. but he had a really nice game uh, kind of out of nowhere. So he's a guy to watch. He's also draft eligible too. Venture um, sophomore, love it. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway from Auburn, guys like KJ Britt, their big uh, middle linebacker, that D-line, this ain't it, man. This ain't it. They've lost a lot of talent the last few years. I mean, we're just watching the Bucks yesterday on Thursday night. Both their corners are Auburn corners, right? They're mm -hmm. amazing. Davis and uh, Dean, they're outstanding. You yeah. think of the kind of talent they've lost on the line over the years, the kind of talent they've lost at linebacker. It's a tough one. I mean, it's a tough one when you're competing in that territory and you're missing out on these Alabama recruits to Alabama, to Georgia, to all the juggernauts out in the SEC, it's a little harder to replenish it. And I think in the trenches is really where they lost this game. This isn't your same Auburn. And Seth Williams, you know, we talked up the receiver class. He got kind of shut down by Tyson Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the passing game in general was a struggle. Um, I was excited about Bo Nix coming into this season. In mm -hmm. this game, he was 0 for 7 on throws at least 20 yards downfield. One of those was an interception from 10 to 20 yards. He was 3 of 10. Just a disappointing showing. Um, Very Ian Book-esque. Yeah. I mean, how many completions did he even have? He had 21 completions, 21. 14 of them behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, it, yikes. There just wasn't much going on in that passing game. Look, that okay. stat alone – Andre already kind of mentioned he's kind of off the Gus bus. That has been driving yeah. me crazy about this offense for the longest time. It's just how much – it's really just the contrast between screens and behind the line of scrimmage stuff, and then they're just taking deep shots. There's no in-between. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I like Gus Malzahn when it comes to the running game. I think he can get real creative there, especially with the uh, type of personnel he brings in. You know, uh, I don't remember – I think it was like 89 was his number. You saw that guy. Um, he's kind of like a tight he's listed I think as a tight end but he's basically a six offensive lineman they like to yep. do that a lot yeah um, they they ran it with him directly too right yeah and they threw like a Bo Nix threw like a bomb to him <laughs> down the side did you see that uh, my guy dove out for the ball too almost <laughs> nuts <it>. yeah <laughs> but um, yeah Auburn like Andre said they, this game was lost up front uh, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson aren't playing for this team anymore and it is very apparent yeah, yeah. And they were they were plugging up some major holes for that defense last year. I mean, it's it's obvious, obvious to see. And you're right. I mean, that boomer bust mentality from that offense. You know, look at the Chiefs and how they really flipped the switch last year when they realized, man, if we just keep going for broke, we're hurting ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Once they started managing and picking their spots a bit more, that Chiefs offense took off. So, um, yeah, come on, guys. You're better than that. <laughs> and Henry is the other big story of the weekend that Trey Lance finally threw an interception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that could be the story. It could just be that he's not a good quarterback. I don't know. Take oh. your pick. I was—I mean, the beginning of that game, I I guess I should have taken better notes. At the time when I was talking to my roommate while we were watching, it's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, first drive's a three and out where I I believe he missed a receiver on third down on the sideline. Uh, The the second drive was also a three and out, but it ended in a strip sack. I think maybe I got those two flipped. I think the Uh third one was another – maybe he missed a blitz pickup. I think it was a mental error. But I believe it was three straight three and outs to start things off, including one that was a strip sack. Um, Mm -hmm. Things got a little bit right. better. Three and out, strip sack, three and out, yep. Oh, yeah. I think things got a little bit better once he had a chance to run the ball. There were a couple of big runs for him. But, I mean, I am disillusioned. I'm not drafting him in the first round. I, I don't know that I'm drafting him in the second round at this point. Honestly, it just depends on how everything else shakes out. Um, one more reason to hope that Drew Locke is the man in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, did he just complicate things for you, Henry? I think so. I mean, he might have just uncomplicated. I, he right, not- or uncomplicated, yeah. yeah. I think I think things were complicated before. And now like, <laughs> right, right. I, That's I, how I feel. I feel like it was more complicated before because it was yeah. like, oh, usage. And this was just like a very honest showing of like, oh, oh this is what you look like if you try to drop back and be a quarterback for – 30 you know 30 dropbacks this is what's gonna happen and it was a bit of the full Trey Lance experience he made some throws that were absolutely eye-opening from within the pocket and on the move on awkward footing also missed throws that no NFL quarterback should miss not at the FCS level that's for them sure and he reverted to his run first mentality which is ultimately what bailed them out of that game but there were two or three throws where I was like, damn. And honestly, I maybe get it a little more now. And I'm maybe more willing to accept like, yeah, this is, this is Josh Allen. This is Justin Herbert. Like, yeah, you want to um, roll the dice? Shoot, go for it. Um, I, I get it, you know, but you're going to have to adjust your offense and you're going to have to really develop this kid. And you're, you're taking some leaps of faith in that development on several things. He's a guy I would have murdered two, three years ago, but now I'm more like, nah, okay. I, mean, I, I see n- a path. There could be a path. Yeah. Uh, should throw the numbers out there though. Um, 15 of 30 passing, uh, 149 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. O of six when throwing the ball, 20 yards or more downfield. What'd you see, Jake? Go ahead. I... You know, this was really kind of my first exposure to Trey Lance, um, mm-hmm. or first full game I've watched, I guess. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I was impressed just physically and yeah. uh, athletically. Cool. I mean, like you said, he reminded me of Josh Allen. That's what I thought. Um, just even as a prospect, you know, coming from obviously Wyoming would be a better school to play at than North Dakota mm-hmm. just because of the talent. But just because it's really, you don't know what you're getting. I mean, yeah. you can see the tools you can kind of project those tools and hope that mm-hmm. he can be what you think he is, but you, there's no way of knowing for sure, especially now since this is the only game. 
Um, you're only going to have to go off of this and 19 tape at this point. Oh, yeah. So it's going to, it's, I don't know. I could see a team just, you know, falling in love with him and just grabbing him in the first round at some point. But I could also see, like Henry said, where he doesn't make it uh, through the first two rounds and right. we're kind of left wondering who's going to take the chance here. Um, but like you said, he does have very impressive arm talent. You know, he was, he hit a throw from like the opposite hash to the sideline um, yeah. on a deep out. It was on a rope too. So the arm talent's there. It's just, man, good luck evaluating this guy as we kind of oh, move down the line, dude. Right. Yeah. Because what we're saying about being intrigued by his tools and it being a hard projection to make, you could have said about that, about like Buffalo's Tyree Jackson, who you and I saw at the senior yeah. bowl a couple of years ago, who went undrafted. And I'm, I'm not sure he's even on a practice squad anymore. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's not like, oh, it's such a rare skill set. Like, yeah. No, I mean, you're really going to have to believe in this. And I think we can all agree that the like top five talk for Trey Lance is a bit insane. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the things that really kind of concerned me about his game was just the processing uh, downfield mm-hmm. and at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, you know, we already mentioned that strip sack, but there were a couple times too where he just had no idea that pressure was coming up behind him. Um, there was one run, I think it was in the first quarter. You know, he evaded the first guy, but then kind of lost track of the other rusher looping around and he mm-hmm. kind of came back around and tackled him. I might have been for a sack, might have been a one yard gain. But I don't think he really has that, uh, that internal clock yet. And I don't think he's kind of have, he doesn't have the, you know, that feel in the pocket of when to get out and when to, mm-hmm. you know, take off. If you like put glasses on me where I couldn't see the jersey colors, I would tell you, oh, Trey Lance is playing, you know, and I didn't know who the quarterback was. I'd tell you, he's playing like a quarterback who's not used to dropping back and being a conventional passer. Almost like that's something he's working on to prove something to NFL scouts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he looks like a guy who's been on a dominant program and isn't used to having a feel out rushers, you know, isn't used to the nuances of quarterback play, which is just part of the deal when you're at North Dakota State and you're used to dominating like that and you're such a dynamic athlete. Um, and that's the other thing. Like, he's a great runner, but he's not Lamar Jackson. Like, is he that much more athletic than, like, David Carr, who ran a 4-5 flat? I wouldn't you say know? so. I mean, he's yeah. kind of like Carson Wentz, where, like, you want he can be mobile and he can extend plays and stuff. Yeah, But you kind of don't want him to because you're kind of mm-hmm. toeing that line of being too physical at the quarterback position mm-hmm. where there's – at some point there's no coming back from that. Um, it was impressive how North Dakota State used him, though. I think they used him perfectly for his skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power QB run game was awesome to watch. Oh, yeah. um, you know, maybe New England gets this guy second, third round, and if they re-sign Cam, you kind of just groom Trey Lance to be that type of quarterback, you know? Yeah, I mean, plan, we, were, yeah. we were comparing him to Cam last week, you yeah. know, but the thing is, he's not quite as big and he's not quite mm-hmm. the same athlete. Yeah. And you've already seen, like, Cam had one good year where everything worked for him. And I think he might yeah. be working on another, but when you lose just a little bit of that physicality and likely the ability to take some of those hits – that might be the difference between having a few years where you say, oh, wow, everything worked out, and now here we are, and not mm-hmm. having those years at all. Right. 
Yeah, and Cam had the advantage of dominating the SEC. I mean, dominating. I hadn't seen a yeah. dude dominate that conference like that. Maybe ever. So his his tape in his final year is night and day compared to Trey Lance's tape in his final year, right? Because that's yeah. another factor that's mm-hmm. out of his control, but it, it does factor into this, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my biggest takeaway, it, the biggest deficiency in his game, footwork, the, the timing of it all, which you touched on, Jake, and his uh, ball placement, you know, that interception. Yeah. He had that coming because so many of these balls past 10 yards, he's leading a guy when he needs to maybe back shoulder it or he's, you know, behind a guy when he needs to lead him and it led to the pick. It could have led to another one. Um, so, man, just what a risk um, to draft. The Trey pick Lance. was just a bad read, though, too. I mean, the safety yep. baited him the entire way and read the quarterback super easily and uh i don't think it was a pick six but i think they're very lucky that wasn't a pick six because he was running full speed when he caught that ball also i'm just gonna say cam newton is worlds worlds ahead of him as a passer like yep you it's almost unfair to compare them because he is not even close to that yeah that's true even jordan love had more flashes as a passer yeah so, man, it's a weird eval. Uh, I will tell you real quick, Dylan uh, Radones, their left tackle, um, extremely athletic, looked pretty good, impressed me quite a bit, far from perfect, needs to be more physical, needs to use those hands. I mean, he just doesn't dominate as you'd like to at that level. But he did have an incredible play, I want to tell you guys, on that very same strip sack. It's actually an overload blitz. To his side so he's already got a d end lined up right in front of him and then he's got a blitzer coming off the edge he's so good at this level he engulfs the d end is able while blocking the d end to take on the blitzer coming off the edge is still able to carry him and then trey lance doesn't get the ball out enough so he's able to go around the edge rusher is able to go around or don't come around and get the strip but it was really impressive um, his ability to handle that double team. As far as this raw upside goes in this tackle class, he, he doesn't have anything to envy anyone. It's just a matter of cleaning it up and being more dominant considering the, the level he's coming from. But he's a really intriguing prospect that Broncos fans will, uh, will enjoy watching tape on as the, the draft season comes closer. You know? All right. Um, what game you want to get to next? Oh man, there are quite a few. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, sure. Pitt. You want to tell us about Pitt, Jake? Oh, Pitt. Yeah. Um, I mentioned him before. Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for the Panthers is pretty real, man. Um, He threw for like 400 and 411 yards. um, Only had one touchdown. Mm-hmm. But it was some beautiful passing. Uh, he had a drive, I think, in the middle of the second quarter. Uh, they gained 60 yards on back-to-back plays with both insane throws from Pickett. Um, you know, we talked about the ball placement with Trey Lance. Uh, Pickett has some pretty impressive ball placement, um, you know, kind of throwing it a bit short so that that safety could, didn't really have a chance to make a play on a guy running a post, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Um, and really tough, man. He was hanging in there. Uh, made some tough throws too that really were just impressive. I just, the quarterback play in this game overall, I thought was really good. Devin Leary from NC state um, mm-hmm. was really impressive as well. Uh, also, QBU. I got to talk about, 
Yeah. Um, they have another guy. I didn't really hear about him before this, but Devin Leary was pretty legit, man. Um, mm-hmm. Emeka Amezi, the wide receiver, was impressive too. But uh, if we're talking about Pitt, I got to talk about Paris Ford. Yep. He is turning into one of my favorite players to watch in the country, man. He's just – I can't help but just look for him on every defensive snap. He's just so fun to follow. Um, Pat Narduzzi's scheme, though, too. They are trying to get this guy picks. Um, he is active. They have him baiting uh, number three in trips from underneath and stuff. So they're trying their hardest to kind of uh, get him some production. Just a, a tackle for a loss in this one. He's kind of their Tyron Matthew, man. Really? They yeah, use he, him like that. He's their honey badger. Yep. He, he roams all over. It's great. It's fun to watch. You're really right. Pitt's just a, they're a very fun team, a very impressive team. They should have won this game, by the way. Uh, if you watch this game, Pitt choked this game, not choked it away. They had many opportunities to win this game, um, including at the uh, before NC State scored to make it 30 to 29. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitt ended up going for two and didn't get it. So if they just would have kicked the extra point, uh, could have gone to overtime. And I think they had another uh, goof like that near the goal line uh, in the first half too. So Pitt Panthers, pretty solid team, uh, just a little bit of stuff to clean up. Yeah, they've kind of been a fun watch. Um, I'll take us to the Florida-South Carolina game, Hank, where I thought one of the better one-on-one matchups on paper that we had all weekend kind of lived up to the hype because Cal Pitts was a, a man among boys. Um, again, he's scored like four touchdowns in two games. He's been otherworldly. But he was also matched up against South Carolina's big cornerback, Israel Mukamu who I've talked about before. I remember he played a huge game in the Georgia upset that South Carolina was able to pull off a year ago with two huge picks. He played really well, matched up with um, Pitts quite nicely, used that size. He did get burned a couple times, but he also uh, had his moments and won a few matchups. So I thought that was really intriguing. This is a class of cornerbacks. Um, The more guys I study, the more I like it, and the more I'm realizing this is a big corner class we have some long dudes in this group and it's exciting it starts with Tyson Campbell we talked about Patrick Sertain and no shrimp you know Caleb Farley who we've barely talked about at Virginia Tech and some people have rated very highly and then Mukuamu is the tallest of them all he's like 6'3 that was really intriguing to see and then uh I've got a bit of a tier that's being created on my rankings for uh playmaking speedsters and Kadarius Tooney is very much in that group. Uh, Jake, you'd mentioned him last week. He has another big game. Uh, The dude can just fly. And I can tell you, I've been spending too much time with our uh, friend and colleague, Ryan Konigsberg, because I'm tuning into the fact that Tooney has a nose piercing, uh, similar (laughs) to SMU's uh, speedster, who we'll also talk about. And who else has a nose piercing? Alvin Kamara? Ezekiel Elliott? Coincidence? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to bring that up. So, yeah. Um, there's some talent on that Florida offense. And yet, Pitt's kind of underwhelmed me. I mean, no, I'm sorry. The other Kyle, Trask, kind of underwhelmed me. Just, he's too slow to process things. It's like, let's get rid of the ball, buddy. Uh He's big and strong, so he's getting away with a lot of stuff. But as soon as they play a tougher opponent, it will not be this easy. He's going to show some deficiencies. Yeah, I agree. Um, should be said, Kyle Pitts just about had another touchdown, too. Huh. 
he, he just almost got that other – or the first foot in, I guess. You only need the one. And that would have been a third, which would get him to seven, eight, seven on the season. <laughs> That's insane, dude. I know. It, it is. And uh, on Kadarius Tony, you know, the one thing that I'd like to see more out of him is the ability to, like, run routes and go downfield just a little bit more. Like, he is pretty much exclusively, like, the gadget guy. Find a way to give him the ball at the line of scrimmage and let him do something, which, which is working. And he does have value right there. I think in the NFL, he already has value doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if he could just provide a little bit more of a downfield threat, especially with the tools he has, with the speed he has, that's when he could start to be a, a real top-tier type of prospect. Yeah, Kadarius Tony really impressive again. Uh, you guys both already mentioned the speed. The thing that really impresses me with Tony, though, is his contact balance and strength, man. Mm. Uh, last week, he had that end around. Um, you know, he took contact on at the line of scrimmage and shook off another tackle and took that one to the house. This one uh, against South Carolina on his 57-yard uh, long touchdown, he caught the ball. It was kind of like a, I don't know, like an eight-yard drag or something, and he mm-hmm. turned it upfield. I think he broke like three tackles in the yeah. secondary. Um, taking <laughs> yes. on contact super easily too. Uh, so that's most impressive thing to me. Also, Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida, mm-hmm. I, need, I need to see him get more carries because every time he touches the ball, I like how he cuts. I like his vision. Um, he's always finding open holes easily. So I want, I'm hopefully we get to see some more carries from Pierce because I think this guy could potentially be a uh, maybe fringe top 100 guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watch Tooney. I almost think like, dude should be getting more touches out the backfield. Yeah. Like, yeah. I truly I use agree. him as Kamara um, or as a scat back, you know. Um, Antonio Gibson, try to follow that kind of mold, you know, even though he's not quite as big. I mentioned speedsters that stuck out on the week um, with nose piercings. The other one is Reggie Robertson Jr., yeah. uh, the wide receiver from SMU. Lost me some big money because he single-handedly destroyed Memphis, who I had in the um, – I had winning straight up. Shane Bushell, the former Texas quarterback and big recruit um, in Texas, is the quarterback at SMU. He, he was – he looked good, but it helps when Robertson's just – he makes a catch and he makes a house call. He went off for 243 yards, two touchdowns on five receptions. Um, so Insane yes, stat line. Yeah. Insane. He was insane. He was just unbelievable. And you know, you've got Tooney, you've got Charleston Rambo at Oklahoma. Add Reggie Robertson to another of these dynamic speedsters in a class that already has guys like Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, he really stood out. I think uh, he was one of the big standouts from the weekend for me. And uh, yeah, that's. That's that's the main guys. I guess, well, we should mention our other quarterback, Hank. Zach Wilson. You sure should. BYU. My goodness. I mean, Zach Wilson is just special. And this was the first time I'd actually sat down and watched him. I can't remember what night. Maybe this was like a Friday night game, and so it was the only thing on. It was, yes. That's what it took for me to actually sit down and watch the whole thing. Yeah. But my goodness. Um, you know, talking about the deep passing stats, a couple of guys who struggled. Well, so far this season, Zach Wilson is 10 of 12 when he's throwing at least 20 yards downfield. Uh, Three touchdowns, no interceptions. 
he can do everything you can ask of him. Mm-hmm. He he has the arm. He has the decision making. Um, he he runs really well. Oh yeah, um, a little Johnny Menzel esque, don't you think? I mean, he's yeah. got he's six three, so he's not small like Johnny was, but he's got some of that creative uh, ability um, that's mm-hmm. really impressive. Yeah, he sure does, and I. Uh, he's gotten to the point to for, to me where I feel like if he's playing, I just have to be watching it. Yeah. You'll love this set, Hank. We were going crazy when Jalen Hurts was doing this a year ago, but Zach Wilson himself in three games, he has thrown 11 incompletions, um, 60 completions, 71 attempts for 949 yards. He has as many Passing and rushing touchdowns combined as he has incompletions this season. So um, I'm Crazy. told that is good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you're looking for kind of a dark horse quarterback, um, I know we've been – I've nominated some pretenders so far in this season. Derek King's still very much in that running, but I think Zach Wilson is uh, definitely a guy you want to keep an eye on. Just a bit of a bummer that BYU's schedule isn't as stacked as it usually is. Because when I look at their schedule and I'm trying to see, hey, when's a good a- opponent going to come to town to really test Zach Wilson? I don't That's know. Rough. Yeah, yeah, maybe Houston on the 16th. Boise State, maybe. Boise State, yeah. yep. Boise's going to be the best San Diego State to end the year. But I do wish they were more tested. That's the beauty of BYU as an independent is they always have a pretty stacked schedule. And, of course, with everything that's gone on, not really the case this year, unfortunately. So. Independents deserve bad things. Like, for all of the bad things that come with COVID, which is pretty much everything COVID-related is very bad. And I want to say, like, this doesn't make it worth it. But the fact that these independents are having to make the tough decisions and have bad things happen to them and they aren't able to just float by doing the same garbage they always do, it does give me just a little bit of a silver lining. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Um, there you go, independents. Suck it, BYU and Notre Dame. Take that. <laughs> Suck it. Um, any other thoughts from last week? There's a couple different ways I could go. Can we talk about Alabama, though, real quick? Ooh, good yeah. idea. Let's, and then we got to touch on the North Carolina game. Okay. okay. Um, Mac Jones is legit. That guy is sick. It's um, true, man. You know, Waddle had a great game. Uh, Smith had a great game. But uh, they also had John Mechie, a third wideout now, come out oh, yeah. and just rip off of five receptions, 181 for two mm-hmm. touchdowns. Easy breeze. Um, it's crazy. Mac Jones, though, I don't. I talked about him a bit last week, but he is really impressive throwing the deep ball. Oh, uh, yeah. He had, yeah. He had the 78 yarder to Mechie. Uh, I think he had another 50, 60 yarder to Mechie. And then Waddle, that 87 yard touchdown from Waddle, I, he doesn't need to play another down. That play was <laughs> all I needed to see for this entire season. The route yeah. was incredible, and the speed was just natural and. On, I mean, world-class, honestly. He was just mm-hmm. re- blown by those guys. Um, I thought uh, the left tackle, Leatherwood, played pretty well also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I have one more guy. Sorry. Uh, Daniel Wright, the defensive back, um, the corner. He got the pick six. It was a beautiful pick six. Mm-hmm. Um, these Saban defensive backs are just so well coached. Okay. Uh, the technique is just nailed down. I mean, if you watch that play, it's just it's teach tape, honestly, for corners. 
uh, Alabama. And he's actually a crazy. junior, unlike so many of these underclassmen. It's crazy. I'm always like, oh, is that a guy I need to keep on my list? Like, no, he's just a freshman. Oh, no, yeah. he's just a sophomore. Um, and, you know, we can talk Mac Jones up. We can tell you through for 435 yards, four touchdowns. I could make a declarative. Attempts. Right. Yeah. Don't forget I could, on 27 attempts. Against Texas A&M, not some <laughs> bums. Uh, Texas A&M, lots of recruits. They're recruiting Texas. Jimbo's getting paid a ton of money. They've been trying to build that thing up in Aggieland forever. Um, and he's doing that. I'll make a definitive statement and say, if Trey Lance had Mac Jones's deep ball accuracy, he'd be competing with uh, Trevor Lawrence to be the top quarterback taking this. Yeah. Uh, that's how good Mac Jones's deep ball is. How surprised should we really be, though, that Mac Jones' deep ball is that good when he's had all these receivers? Like, even before he was starting, he was probably working with John Mechie on the side, just honing in that deep ball every single time because it's always open, and he's thrown it so many times. And now whenever one of those receivers is open downfield, he's going to hit him. It's just so crazy I mean, watching all those receivers because they all kind of look the same, too. Like yeah. all the speedsters and the way they move, you're just like, oh, look, that's an Alabama receiver. Dre's talking about like if you take off the color of Dre, uh, Trey Lance's jersey. Right. I mean, how many plays would it take to identify the Alabama offense with those speedy <laughs> receivers, with Mac Jones dropping the ball right on him, yeah. with Najee Harris in the backfield? Alex, Leather, like this is just an incredible football team. Yeah, uh, going back to Mac Jones, though, this was something I think we should have paid more attention to last year when he started, um, especially the bowl game against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really when we saw Jerry Judy's ability as a deep threat too. Yeah. It was in that yeah. game. And Mac Jones, I think was a pretty big part of that because he mm-hmm. nailed Judy uh, of course on the first play of the game when they went 75 yards. And then later in the game, he hit Judy 20 uh, some yards over the middle. Uh, Judy turned that into a 50 yard gain too. So mm-hmm. this isn't just something coming out of nowhere for Mac Jones. If you go put on last year's tape, he was yeah. tossing bombs too. Uh, also real quick on Mac Jones, he had 20 completions, 16 of them were to Mechie, Waddle or Smith. That's wow. It. He That's only completed, crazy. he only uh, completed balls to five receivers. There really is like no tight end to speak of at Bama this year. It's kind of weird. I'll yeah. say this. We can talk of Mac Jones all you want. The best endorsement you can have, though, is they in a game where they blew Texas A&M out, they passed it 27 times, ran it 28. So how much does Nick Saban trust his quarterback when he's got Najee Harris in his back, you know, backfield? He wasn't doing this with prior to Tua. He wasn't doing this. He did not put this kind of trust in his quarterbacks. And the fact that he's giving Mac Jones the Tua treatment – there's no better endorsement anyone anywhere could give but what Saban is showing you simply on the distribution of touches. Yeah, another great point. That's something I want to touch on too. Just the transformation of this Alabama team from a defensive juggernaut into just an offensive powerhouse over the past, I don't know, three, four, five years mm-hmm. has been pretty incredible to watch. Um, Fun also, theme to talk about as we go into Ole Miss week and Lane yeah. Kiffin comes back to town because – Say what you will about Lane. He definitely played a big part in this uh, dynamic shift in Alabama really becoming more of an offensive juggernaut, even more so than a defensive. Yeah, that's a sound point. Yeah, real quick, though, just what is this, 56 plays for Alabama, and they scored 52 points. That's unbelievable. 
<laughs> That's it's stupid. Awesome. It is stupid. It's stupid. It, it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Here, um, here. North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, you liked um, what Sam Howell did? Sam Howell was fun. He was impressive. He's kind of a wild card. Um, is he? Yeah, boy. Very big and athletic. I was actually really surprised by the, his athleticism as yeah. the game went on. Um, I knew he was athletic, and watching him early on in the game, I was like, okay, yeah, nice play and stuff. Uh, kind of wish that he would have toned it down a bit. And then he just made a couple plays later in the game where I was like, okay, never mind. You go do you and just try and be a man-child against whoever you yeah. play against because that's just your game. Uh, North Carolina, though, the story of this team, I think, is the dual-headed threat at running back, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of been the story the past couple years with them, especially last year. I think Carter had 177 carries last year. Williams had 166. Um, both well, Carter was a thousand yard rusher and Williams was at like nine thirty or something like that. So if he got those 11 more carries, he okay. could have been a, th- a thousand yard guy. Uh, so I think that's really the engine that has this Carolina team go. Chaz Surratt was pretty nice too. Chaz Surratt, very nice on the other side. BC, I've been pretty impressed by their tight end Hunter long, definitely an NFL prospect. And I, I wouldn't spend too much time on the Oklahoma-Iowa State game, but since we're on the subject of lesser-known tight ends, um, Charlie Kolar for the Cyclones is another guy uh, we should keep our eye on as far as top tight ends in the class. Wow. Yeah, and just looking at these numbers, they really were throwing the ball at Hunter Long. It's kind of surprising. (laughs) I'm saying 17 targets for Hunter Long, who I didn't know anything about before right now. Oh, no, now. they fed him, baby. They, yeah. fed. <laughs> they huh. fed the beast. Yep. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Boston College, just an impressive team, though. I'm really impressed overall by the play of the ACC this year. It's a really yes. good conference. Yep, it's really shot up, aside from Florida State, which is hot garbage. Yeah, exactly. It's really <laughs> shot up. Um, I guess quick note before we move on. Turns out uh, all you have to do to beat an air raid offense is just play zone, I guess. Um, LSU, maybe watch some of that Arkansas tape so you can be prepared next time you face Mississippi State and the Pirate. Uh, so, yeah, nothing to see here. <laughs> is that what happened? I didn't get around to this game. And then, yeah, I was just surprised to see 14 points after putting up, I don't know, 50-some against LSU. Like, is that I mean, not shocking? It's an oversimplification, but, yeah. <laughs> essentially, that's all it took was like, oh, don't just don't give wide-open mesh on every single play <laughs> and force KJ Costello to hold on to the ball longer and he'll probably make stupid decisions. And would you believe it? KJ Costello was good for lots of stupid decisions. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing about those air raid teams is that yeah. if you defend the passing concepts well, they aren't going to have a counter to that. They're just going to keep doing it and hope that it starts working. And that's why you have the games where things go really well and the games where you're just like, why would anybody ever choose to run an air raid offense? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll be fun just to see how those proportions change, though, because for the most part, in the Pac-12, it went pretty well. Yeah. So, Maybe we the SEC can just figure it out, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, we should mention in that Mississippi State game, Kalen Hill gets hurt. Sounds like he'll still play this week, oh. but not having their star running back for most of the game. He got injured very early on. Definitely impacted that and kind of forced them to be probably more pass-heavy than they'd even like. So That was so disappointing. Mm. That's rough. Yeah, no um, doubt. All right. We good with last week? 
Um, I think so. um, right. Let's pay some bills. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to come back to some of these awesome deals that DraftKings has right now because week four of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week five. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week five, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. On top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply, so see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, uh, if you haven't tried Strava yet, we are selling Strava cold brew at the DNVR bar. So make sure you get down to Denver to try, or down to the DNVR bar to try this game-changing CBD-infused coffee. Um, the best way to go about it, though, I mean, I guess I'm partial to the DNVR bar, is to subscribe and save 20% with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription we know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code. You know, if you use the code DMVR20, you can get 20% off your first order. But now you can get 20% off your favorite coffee forever. You'll never have to put your credit card info into that website again. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. So if you've, uh, oh, if you're a huge fan of Strava, you can now save 20% off by heading to their website and subscribing, like I said. You have the option of getting your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, and you'll get 20% off any, uh, any product that you're subscribing to. When you pull the trigger and order yourself some Strava, make sure you post on social media and tag us and also tag Strava to let us know um, how you feel about it. Because so far the reviews have been great and we love hearing about you guys being happy. Um, remember, purchase online. And use the promo code DNVR20 to save 20% off your order or choose a product and subscribe. Get that shipped to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks and save 20% off of every order from Strava Craft Coffee. All right. Nice. Thank you. Um, we have some football games coming up, and it's time to talk about those. Um, wow. Lots. There really are some good ones. Coming Amazing. up, nice slate. Nice slate. Four Beautiful. ranked matchups this week. Uh -huh. um, Plus the Red River rivalry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And games like Florida State, Notre Dame, which prospect wise <laughs> offer a lot more intrigue than they do from an actual like. That game is rankings. going to get ugly quickly. Well, let's start there then. No kidding. Um, yeah. I guess. Uh, 
this week, this week I'll write down our picks. Uh, nice. Because I thought we did pretty well outside of Auburn last week, but yeah, we did we did well in the early slate. Like BC covered the spread. That's one pick I was in on. Uh, Memphis just barely lost. We did decent on some, and then the later games kind of killed us. Um, yeah, where to start? I mean, let's let's just go Miami Clemson. That's really like let's do it. Big test for Derek King here. Fine. Trevor Lawrence gets an actual test. Quincy Roche coming off the edge is going to be big against this one, especially. Um, I hope we get to see him a lot against Clemson left tackle uh, Jackson Carmen. Like, test that guy being tested is going to be huge. Um, we're going to get to see Brevin Jordan against all the athleticism on Clemson's line. We're going to get to see Travis ATN, who's probably been playing, like, the best back in the country so far. So this is a huge one, um, and I don't know if, if Clemson covers this. I don't know. I think this is the toughest interconference matchup they've had in two years at least yeah has to be i really don't want clemson to cover this just as a football fan like i I want to see clemson play more than two interesting games this year those two being like in the college football playoff i just can't say that i expect them not to cover when it is Clemson, it is Trevor Lawrence, and they have all these weapons, and I love Amari Rodgers, and the, I don't know. What, what do you think, Jake? So just looking at how Clemson's played this so far this year, um, they haven't really had, like, the, a trademark Clemson game. You know what I mean? Yep. Where they're up, like, 42 to nothing in the first half or something, or they win the game, I don't know, 63 to 17, mm-hmm. something like that. They haven't had that yet. Yep. Um you know, Wake Forest put 13 on them, and they only allowed 37 to Clemson, which is kind of a win. Uh, Virginia, a solid team with a decent defense, only allowed 41. They actually put up 23-2. So, while 14 is a big number, I think you just got to trust Derek King in this spot mm-hmm. and trust the Hurricanes to at least keep up and score points. I don't know if they'll be able to stop Clemson, and I know Clemson's probably got more talent on the defensive side of the ball, but oh sure, I think Derek King is enough of a enough of a game changer that he can you know make some plays, and you know he's going to be doing some off schedule stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely potential for Miami to cover this. I think. Yeah, and the thing I keep reminding myself is this isn't a full-strength Clemson. You know, like Justin Ross yeah. has been injured and out. Xavier Thomas, who to me is by far, like, just on raw skill, their best defender has been out. I think he's been, like, they've kind of had him on the COVID out list for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, Miami's been playing well. They've been tested. They've had tough opponents. Zach McLeod is another linebacker who should fare well in a matchup like this. Um and so, yeah, you know, it could be that Derek King is, you know, he's he's Cinderella, and the 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 glass slipper comes off, and he he just shows his true colors, and they get the just blown out. But I don't think that's happening. I think Miami has enough talent. I think that quarterback is dynamic enough off schedule to keep them on track and make this an interesting game and less than a over two touchdown matchup. Uh, so yeah, I like Miami on this line. I'm really excited about this game. I mean, 
we've been like half talking about this for like two weeks now. So yeah. um yeah, I'm 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 pretty darn excited. I'll I'll be watching this from start to finish at five thirty on ABC. Mm-hmm. Um you guys both taking Miami plus fourteen and a half? We are. I think so, yep. Now DraftKings Sportsbook. 20% boost on four-way parlays for college football. So if you're feeling confident about this one, stick it in a parlay with three others and boost that up. I'll Who you got, one. Hank? I really hope I'm wrong. Clemson. I, I, I got to do it. Oof. Um, and I have these written down so we can fly through them next week and see who knows what they're talking about. I really hope <laughs> with you guys on this one. I really want this to be a good game. Well, I um, do too, man. Let's go to a Florida State Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, On one in the trenches, right? Like watching um, Marvin Wilson against um, you know Liam Ickenberg and uh, Tommy Kramer is going to be real fun. Yep, that's a good um, start. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning though. Uh, James Blackman has been benched. I don't know who the two years too late. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I can't Yikes. find the name of the starter. Um, but I do remember seeing that Blackman will no longer be playing or will no longer be the starting quarterback. So good luck to whoever is starting versus the number five team in the country this weekend with one of the worst offensive lines in front of them. Right, and the only talent around him is Tamari and Terry, the wide receiver for the Seminoles. But again, with yeah. no quarterback, no line. He's fighting an uphill battle. Most of the talent for Florida State's on defense where you get to see him against Ian Book and those O-linemen, you know, um, Hamza Nasardin, the safety, and Asante Samuel Jr., two guys to definitely keep an eye on here. And I think maybe the best prospect in the entire game and one of the more notable risers in my rankings uh, – you know, a quarter of the season in is Notre Dame linebacker, uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who's just a very mobile, versatile defender, flies all over the place. Um, I'd probably take him ahead of Chaz Surratt, who also has a nice matchup this week from North Carolina, and we have talked up so far. So uh, there's a lot of talent, at least on these defenses, to keep you tuned in. Yeah, that name you just said is one of my favorites. Uh, definitely watching him. Notre Dame favored by 21 points. Who are you taking? Oh, man. I know it's 21, but I think I got to pick Notre Dame. I mean, Florida State's just giving me nothing to – It's they have no – I don't think they have any confidence in themselves. I definitely don't have confidence in them. And then with the new quarterback, this could get extremely ugly. Yeah, I don't feel they have any – any grasp of that program. I don't feel like there's any rallying cry. Um, it's just like all this talent kind of there to die. I would definitely take Notre Dame. I'm trying to see if I can get better odds at the half. Yeah, the, the line I really like here is Notre Dame minus 11 and a half at the half. I'd be more scared of a backdoor cover um, at the end of this, but I like that half spread there. I, I just think the Irish start off hot and kind of keep up the pressure there okay so it's 11 and a half at half yep and what about for the game going with 21 yeah i have it at 21 here i think Mm -hmm. yep yep yep. 21 yeah for the game Um, also marvin wilson if marvin wilson could just not get blown off the ball like consistently that'd be cool (laughs) that would be cool um i just don't know how florida so hard man that's where i'm at 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to agree with you guys. It's Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, and on Marvin Wilson real quick, he, he is that dude. He is that like sloppy body, sloppy play with elite flashes, elite yeah. flashes. I mean, you catch Marvin Wilson on the right play. You're like top five pick, set and forget. Yeah. A guy like that shouldn't be made, able to move like that. And then there are times where like it's – what's the point of weighing, you know, three burgers like you do if that's all you're going to do, you know? Like there's no point. There's just no point in being a 350-pound nose tackle if you're getting blown off the ball like that. And look, hard for me to criticize a kid who's been at just a terrible program for three years now, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, let's move on to Florida-Texas A&M, one of the early games. Yeah, I mean, you guys should be well familiar with all the Florida talent on the Gators that we're looking at. It's the Kyles. It's Tooney. um, And, yeah, that's really what I'm focused in on. Kellen Mond, sure, I'll I'll watch him, but I'm not really dialed in uh, too much. You know, Mond actually wasn't terrible against Alabama. He was just kind of outclassed, and his talent was just outclassed. He played better against Alabama than I think he did the week before against Tennessee. If he can show any sort of progress slowly but surely, he's a guy who's really good off script and stuff, you know? Yeah. The NFL's going gaga over Trey Lance. It shouldn't be too hard for Kellen Mond to show enough flashes to, like, elevate himself to some semblance of that kind of stock, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one name that I don't think we brought up when we were talking about Florida earlier is Kair Elam, the corner mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. everywhere last week. Yeah. I mean, I – I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm not sure they completed a pass against him. That kid was a monster. I don't think he's draft eligible this year, um, but number five, one more guy to watch in this game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've got the Gators minus six in this one. I do. We're doing a thing on bets where we're mining windy unders, and this is a potential windy under, so take the under here. But uh, hmm. that's, that's a little yeah. inside baseball for you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, with the spread being at six, my gut says Florida, but I think that Texas A&M could make could really cover this and potentially push Florida here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just was really – I don't want to say I was impressed with A&M last week. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe I, I guess I was just because they were playing Alabama. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Alabama is just – I mean, they're Alabama. So there, there wasn't much A&M could do, but I thought they actually held their own really – uh, for the most part, in the first half, they just kind of uh, – once the pick six happened, you know, right. it was just kind of over from that point. But they were hanging with them for a while. Um, like, I don't know. Mond is really the only thing that gets me remotely excited about this A&M team, though. So yeah. I'll just land on Florida minus six. Yep, and I'm going to take the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, would be a great game for uh, Tooney to – go downfield and catch some balls if he's capable of doing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what do we have up next? Virginia Tech, North Carolina? Yeah. Caleb um, Farley, the best prospect we probably haven't talked about. Their big corner. Um, be fun watching him against Sam Howell in this offense, for sure. It's a low-key yeah. big matchup. Okay. It's going to be my first time watching uh, Virginia Tech this season. I'm excited mm-hmm. to do so. Um, North Carolina, though, I that two-headed running back monster, man. I mean, 
if you can run the ball with those guys, I think you can beat pretty much anyone. Um, three and a half. It's tough. It's tough because I haven't watched Virginia Tech, so I, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I guess on this, but um, I'll take uh, Virginia Tech to cover. Why not? I'm all in. I'm all in. I've been. I don't know what it is, but I've been betting against North Carolina a lot. I don't trust them, and I like that Vatek defense. So yeah, let's do it. Oh, I'll ride with you guys. It's another one that's tough. I haven't watched Virginia Tech either. Nor Sam Howell scares me. You know, yes. you know, yes, and yeah, the sure. prospect, I kind of like it because you can say he's young, he flashes in terms of winning games at this level. Like you still do need to see consistency at some point. Um, so yeah, I'll go with it. Uh, is that, I guess there's one more ranked matchup. We should hit all those, I guess. Yeah. Um, Tennessee against Georgia. We've talked Georgia up a ton. It'll be really fun watching Jordan Davis against Trey Smith one of the top guards in the country. Trey Smith still getting mocked in the first round. So watch the big guard for Tennessee. He's a legit prospect. Also just watch Tennessee because they've quietly been playing quite well um, to start the year 2-0. and Yeah, Tennessee has been, for a long time, they've been a train wreck. I don't know if this is the year that they're finally turning the corner <laughs> and getting back to being legit because yep. I feel like we've been at this point like five or six times the last 10, 15 Your years. Your lifetime, Jake. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, the one thing I will say, I haven't really watched him closely yet, but Jarrett Garantano, the quarterback for Tennessee has mm -hmm. quietly kind of made some strides. Uh, mm -hmm. he was kind of a messy wild card, uh, earlier in his career. And I think he's really kind of grown into his own here and just kind of uh, just learn the position, really learn how to play it better, uh, play the ball safer. The spread is 12 and a half. I, this just might be because Georgia, uh, Georgia abused me last week, but I'm going to go with the dogs and take the take the points, the 12 and a half here. Man, I hate laying that many points, but I'm with you. Like, I feel dumb going against Georgia again. Like, they just yeah. did this to Auburn. I think they'll do even more to Tennessee. But then again, this could be the game where Bennett shows that he's just Bennett, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's a tough one. I haven't gotten a chance to watch Tennessee yet. I'm excited. This will be mm. my big afternoon game. Too many games on SEC Network for Tennessee and all these other teams. I, I wish they yeah. wouldn't do that as much. Yeah. yeah. The I'm ACC ready. Network's been killer too. Yeah. I'm ready to buy into Tennessee, but I can't take them yet <laughs> without having actually seen them play after I watched what Georgia did last week. Um, if, if they're close to cover, you know what? I don't even care. I think I can say I'm bought into Tennessee, but I still think Georgia is just so good that you have to take them. You know, no, you know never what mind. You know what? I'll take Tennessee here. I was going to say, I think it's worth mentioning. I think Tennessee has upset Georgia quite a few times over the past uh, mm -hmm. 10 years or so. Not, I mean, maybe just a handful of times. I do remember one time when Josh Dobbs uh, beat the Bulldogs on a Hail Mary, though. Um, and that was a pretty good Georgia team. So. Yep. this game, you never know. I think, you know, there's a timeline where Tennessee does look very competitive and potentially wins. Agreed. And we've learned that upsets on the road are much more doable now with limited yeah. crowd space and stuff. I'll just yeah. close it out with the Big 12 Red uh, River rivalry. Not sure why Texas isn't favored. I get that Texas has lost betters a ton of money, 
Um, but plus three against this Oklahoma team, Texas is clearly the more talented team. Not only do they have the better quarterback in Sam Ellinger, but I'll be tuning in to watch Samuel Cosme, the left tackle, Caden Stearns, the talented safety. There's a lot more NFL talent this year on Texas. And if the Longhorns can't do it this year, boy, they might never do it again. Yeah, both teams have been insanely disappointing, I think. Um, Train wrecks. Yeah, Texas, I mean, it's kind of the same song and dance, highly rated and then just kind of disappointing again. Oklahoma, though, uh, Rattler looks like a freshman, man. I mean, I know last week he only threw the one interception, so it was an improvement on the three interception outing from the week before. But he threw the interception at literally the worst possible time, and it was a terrible ball. Um, Just can't trust that. I'm going to – sounds crazy to me, but I'm going to take Texas plus three here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got to. It's tough, you know. With, with Spencer Rattler, he has had flashes where he's looked really good. Sam Ellinger has just been a straight up. I, I don't even know if I can call it a disappointment. You know, I, I he's wanted a good college quarterback. Yeah, he does all the things that you want a college quarterback to do, which is like provide energy, not yeah. do anything too dumb be athletic enough to run downfield like you can't throw an awesome out route 15 yards downfield you can live with that like that's something that you don't have to have in a college playbook at the same time like I I'm gonna I'm gonna go Oklahoma here just because Texas has burned me before and uh you're getting the better coach yeah yeah that's what Vegas is banking on um, and you guys um, are both Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I will say on Ellinger, uh, against TCU last week, he started off like 0 for 4 or something. Um, but he had like three completions called back on penalties or something. Mm-hmm. So that's why he started 0 for 4. And then his first like actual completion was like a 50 yard pass. Um, I thought he's I looked know. good. He yeah. had. He, he looked good. I mean, yeah, he's he, competent. He wasn't NFL level, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just intriguing enough to maybe consider it, but he, for a college quarterback, he looks pretty good. And he wasn't the reason they lost that game, yeah. I don't think, last week. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, looking through these numbers, um, just briefly, behind the line of scrimmage, he hasn't missed a pass yet, 23 of 23. Downfield, outside the numbers, he's 2 of 10. Inside the numbers, he's 6 of 12. That's pretty much true at every distance that he is much more effective in the middle of the field. He's he's a guy you can throw out there and not he's be nice. upset about. <laughs> what yeah. he is. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else you guys want to get to in this slate? Um, One game. Talk. This might be my game of the week is Pitt at BC. Let's uh, go. Love both of these teams, man. Oh, man, I'm so excited for this game. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to rewatch it. I'm I can almost hardly believe they haven't played already. It feels like Pitt has just played BC every week. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, both these teams I'm really a fan of. I think defensively yeah. they're both pretty sound. Uh, yes, the line very. is Pitt minus six. BC has been a tough out this entire year. So Heck I think yeah. six is still decent value for them. I'm and, taking it. Uh, taking you know, I'm taking – I'd pick Pitt to win just because I like the quarterback a lot more. Mm-hmm. But BC is a tough team, man. 
and think of what great prospect matchups we have. Best uh, defensive player not named Paris Ford on the pit line is Patrick Jones, the defensive end. He goes against Zion Johnson, the left tackle for BC, who's yeah. a, a stud prospect. And then we get to watch Howard Long, the tight end, against Paris Ford. Um, so that's that's going to be some fun one-on-ones to watch. And then, yeah, your, your guy Pickens, too. So. Yeah. All right. What are the picks? Plus six BC. I think we're both on it. Yep. All right, I'll take it too. I'm also taking Texas Tech plus 12 and a half, but that's not prospect related. That's just college okay. football pick. Well, Who are they playing? Oh, Iowa uh, State. Iowa State. Iowa State. Iowa State. Hall looked really good last week. Huh. Yeah. And Purdy, I guess, looked half decent. Oh, man. What are... <laughs> Don't get me started on Brock Purdy. <laughs> if you had to start a quarterback this week, would you take Brock Purdy or Sam Ellinger? Ellinger, oh, Ellinger, ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just want to make sure. Just want. To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock Purdy looks nice. There was the preseason hype. It was, it was worth a try. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Don't get me started. Any final thoughts before we get out of here today? Mm, no, but I have questions for you guys. Oh, that's and I know hard. we're short, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get them done in ten minutes or so. Um, okay. So with Kyle Pitts playing out of his mind, I think he is the first time in my lifetime that a tight end is a legit Heisman finalist. Who would be your top three Heisman finalists at this point early in the season? So, like you said, I, I, I thought I was going to be clever with it. I guess not, but Pitts is definitely in the conversation. I thought yes. I was. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, – I just, I, he's the best player in college football, Trevor Lawrence. I definitely mm-hmm. deserve some recognition. I mean, mm-hmm. it, he hasn't really had the flashy games yet. He's just still doing the right things. I mean, I think we're kind of at the point where it's just like expected of him now. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to throw Mac Jones in the conversation. I think Mac Jones has been very impressive. Um, really almost no drop off from two to yeah. Mac Jones, at yeah. least statistically on the field. It does look a lot different. The, it's a lot more, uh, deep passing, a lot less kind of RPOs, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Mac Jones isn't really as mobile as Tua, obviously. So it's different in some regards, but the production is there uh, probably even more so than last year. So yeah, Yeah. those are my three. To say that about Tua, who every year he played at Alabama was very much in under Heisman consideration is, uh, is saying something. I like that. Henry, who are your finalists? I mean, Pitts, I think we all thought that we were going to be, Throwing a hot take out, but <laughs> yeah. no, Pitts no. is right in there. Um, Trevor Lawrence has to be in there. He's mm. Trevor Lawrence to start. You can trust it. Plus, he's done what he's done. Um, he's out of my top three, just so you know. Okay, I, I don't hate that. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Right, right. Like wait, next week, he he beats up on Miami. He's obviously in there, exactly. but just as of now, he's not. But I, exactly. I didn't mean to to rain on your parade. That's fair. Um, I think that's kind of where the door opens mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna put kyle trask in there um I, I was kind of tempted mm-hmm. um mac jones also tempting mm-hmm. i'm going with zach wilson from byu Ooh, love it that is a special <laughs> football player at least he has been for the last few at, at this point he has earned the right to be in the heisman conversation i'm not sure if it'll happen the rest of the season but based on what he's shown yeah, he deserves it. Planting your flag, and I love it. Where I'm planting my flag is in the state of Florida. 
because uh, my three finalists are all from those universities. Um, so, of course, you know, two are from Florida State. No, 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 I kid. Uh, it's, it's Cal Pitts. It's Derek King, who I think in the early part is kind of the front runner. Obviously, you got to do it against Clemson or this is all for nothing. And I do think, and it's brief, it's fleeting, but just for now, Kyle Trask would be my third finalist. Um, though hearing your arguments for Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, I already feel like an idiot saying that. But th- those no, are my finalists. I mean, I'm sticking with. As those. of right now, that's a good take. Yeah. Look, I'm with Hank though. I I was really close to putting Trask in there just because I thought he has been pretty impressive. I mean, he's not perfect, oh, but I mean, we talked about it last week. He's transformed this Florida team. Yeah, uh, yes. they're a lot more lethal now than they were. I mean, basically since Tebow, so the past 15 years. Um, So that's definitely worth Heisman consideration for me. I'm with you. Um, And then I wanted to ask you guys, who? how do you rank your top running backs in the class? Because uh, I meant to ask you this last week with Kalen Hill's big breakout, um, but we never got around to it. We were talking about too many other things. Uh, There's so many of them, dude. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's incredible. Um. You know, yeah, Kylan Hill be up there. Um, I don't know if I could rank them all for you right now. I, I hate to just ring off names, but I think that's just what I'm going to do. Um, and then my guy uh, from Miami, I really like this guy, Cameron right. Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been fun to watch. Um, who am I missing? Najee, Etienne, yeah. Chubba. Uh, Chuba, I haven't really seen much from him. I haven't watched Oklahoma State, but I haven't him seen much until from him. Him and Tillon Wallace went off last week against uh okay. against Kansas. Yeah, um, Najee Harris though, he's just complete. Um, you know, know, you see it in the passing game. Um, he's kind of he's not Derrick Henry, but he's just got tremendous size for the running back position. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to be another Alabama back that just goes pretty high, just based on how he looks mm-hmm. yeah and and yet he's kind of underproduced this year but he would firmly be my second ranked running back for sure yeah. right now um well I'll, I'll give you mine and then you guys can critique for me it is kylan hill i think he is the top dude um yeah. and then it would be Najee harris just because of that combination of size athleticism he's also unlike Derrick Henry, I think has shown to have more utility in the passing game, which I really like. And it's crazy, but Travis ATN would not be in my top three. I think I would rather Chubba Hubbard in that long speed. I I have a bit of a fetish for like really speedy running backs too. So I, I maybe need to get off of that, but um, feel free to call me crazy. Uh, anything you want, but Hank Killing Hill in your top three. Number one, he's he's my favorite. I like it. I like it. I think, it. Uh, especially it's it's not just that he's getting a chance to prove himself in the passing game now that he is in this air raid. It's that he will continue to grow as a receiving back throughout the season, and that is just so important in the NFL. I think that what being in this offense is doing for his game is incredibly valuable. Um, and so he's my number one. Najee Harris is my number two. I would put ETN in uh, my top three. Not a lot of hot takes there. Um, but I will say that Zamir White is worth watching. Yeah. Um, I, he could certainly play his way 
into that group. Well, and as soon as Big Ten football comes back, we'll get Journey Brown and Penn State. Ohio State has the uh, Oklahoma transfer who I'm – Trey Sermon. Yep, C.J. Verdell. We'll get to watch him at Oregon, Hank. Um, Rakeem Boyd, he of last chance U fame at Arkansas. I thought the South Carolina, they have a big back who really played well um, last week. Harris, uh, he was really impressive. Who are they playing? Florida? South Carolina. They're playing a big dog in the SEC. I forget, though. It wouldn't have uh, been Auburn or Georgia. It probably was Florida. Yeah, it has to have been. Yeah, oh, yeah, last week they played Florida. Sorry, I thought you were looking for this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's another one, that Harris kid from South Carolina. I like a lot. So telling that running back once again. Um, okay, and I'm going to table I'm gonna table my other question for our next week's show since we've already gone over. But I want you guys to think of uh, your defensive back rankings. Cool. Hmm. Okay. And then we, I mean, soon enough, we'll have to start ranking our favorite Broncos targets and stuff. Like it's, it's kind of sneaking up on us, but it's like college football's here and we're really getting some prospects. And I was updating all my rankings. I've got a lot of risers. It's, uh, it's fun, man. I'm, I'm into it again. I'm, I'm into it. So even, even COVID COVID couldn't deter me. Yep. We're back, baby. We are already in October. Uh, Insane. Two weeks away from the start of Big Ten football. Uh, three, no, four weeks away from Pac-12 football. Ah, I'm so Let's excited. Go. I'm so excited. Um, that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions for us, you can leave them on the post for today's show at bdnbr.com. Um, we love getting those questions uh, about specific guys, about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, so make sure you submit those for next week's show. Um, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next week.